RadioInfluence.com. Oh, we got another good one. We got a good one today. How are you? Welcome to another edition of The Rock Stops Here. And I stop in and talk with an NFL analyst that I have a lot of respect for. My guest today is Solomon Wilcots. Now, Solomon was an NFL player. He was a safety, a free safety. He spent six years in the NFL. He was drafted. He was an eighth-round pick with the Cincinnati Bengals, all right, and the Vikings, and then the Steelers, and then he gets into broadcasting. But what I like about Solomon, number one, he's good. He's good. I've listened to him and watched him over the years, uh, sideline reporter. Uh, I'll go over his resume here in just a bit, but what I like about him, you know, he's easy to listen to. He's got a good delivery. He is very knowledgeable. He does his homework. You have to in this business. That's what I'm finding out when I'm interviewing these that have made it to the top. You, you, you got to prepare. You got to work. All right. Even if you get a great gig. Um, but he started from the bottom. He started as producing, learning to edit. He was uh, on the uh, one of the affiliates in Cincinnati. He was a weekend sports anchor and reporter for many, many years before he got to the national level. And that's why he's had the staying power. I really believe that's important. You know, if you, you're a big name, you're a big name, and you get handed a, a nice, cushy uh, job at the top, but if you haven't worked in broadcasting, just like anything, that would be like coming out of college, man, and, you know, expecting to win a Super Bowl and, and, and be on top as a rookie, you know, it just, it's so rare. But anyway, he has a show on Sirius XM NFL radio, and I stopped him and talked with him, and he was gracious, and he was great, and we had a nice conversation at the NFL Combine, and this is more on broadcasting. You know, this is not an X's and O's football podcast. I like to go behind the scenes, and how did you make it? How did you make to make it to where you are? Why are you still where you are? There's got to be a reason, so enjoy it. Enjoy it. And I got a lot of stories after this. <clears throat> I got some behind the scenes uh, Gronk and Tom Brady stories that I just learned this week. Being back inside the building. Oh, my God. Being in the media workroom. No more Zoom. Like, how great that feels. Although there was a woman. I went to my local craft beer bar the other day. And, oh, she was driving me crazy. I was just explaining with no problem. I'll get into all of that. But let me welcome in. Uh, boy, he's done so much as an NFL broadcaster and analyst. The one, the only, Solomon Wilcox. All right, I am with the great Solomon Wilcox. This is the Rock Stops Here podcast, how you make it to the top. You made it to the NFL, and you have made it in broadcasting, wearing a lot of different hats. What's your secret to success, Solomon? Well, you know, you got to grind, man. You got to really work hard. And obviously, I think you got to have a passion for what it is that you do. I have a passion for football, for the National Football League, college football. I will stop uh, on a Friday night to go watch a high school football game. And then, you know, you see some of those same kids, some of those same players making their way through the NFL scouting combine one day. 
it and playing in the National Football League. You got to learn everything about it um, and love it as well. And the coaching, um, all the aspects of it. And then just to continue to work very hard at it. And I started in local television in Cincinnati, working at the NBC affiliate there. My very first job, all I had to do was log tape. And I wasn't paid to do it, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't. So I remember doing that. And then, I, you know, I was a pretty good writer. So I started writing scripts for our local sports anchor, writing the highlights, writing certain reports, get, allowing him to voice it over. Then I became a producer, then a reporter, and then a local sports anchor. And uh, and so that was sort of the beginning before my days, before I end up landing at ESPN. See, that's interesting because a lot of guys, you played at the highest level at the NFL. A lot of guys will think, hey, I played. Oh, I know the, you know, but you actually learned all of the things you need to do to become a successful on-air person. Yeah. A lot of lot of former players won't won't go that route. Why, 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 where'd that come from? Well, I think, and that's why you have sometimes a low success rate, or you may see a guy that's a flash in the pan. They'll get some good press, or they'll appear somewhere here. Next thing you know, you never hear from them again. And so, if you want sustainability in the marketplace, if you want to be able to sustain success. I thought that once you arrive at, say, working at a national level, whether it's ESPN, NFL Network, CBS Sports, all of those places where I've worked and worked overseas internationally with Sky Sports. And if you want to get there and stay there, you you can't be a one trick pony. You can't just be able to do one thing, whether it's I only call games or I can only work in studio or I can only be a reporter or I can you know only be an analyst. No, you, if you can do everything, if you could do almost everything that needs to be done, if you can write your own scripts, do your own research, right? Um, you're going to stay longer and you make everyone else's job easy because they don't have to do a whole lot of handholding. That's what it means to be a professional, by the way, is to be able to do your own work, to be able to what I call generate your own offense, right? In the world of broadcast journalism, if you can do that, everyone's going to enjoy working with you. Now you got to treat people good as well. But if you can do those things, people will love having you around and you won't ever have a problem finding meaningful work. Now, of all the things that you do, you've done sideline, you've done studio work, you've done TV, and of course you've got the show on Sirius XM. What do you like? Do you like all of them? Is there something that you'd like a little bit more, Solomon? That's a really good question. I've always loved the diversity. I've always loved. I get bored. <laughs> I get bored really easy because if I'm just doing one thing. Man, I tell you right now, it doesn't um, pique my interest as much as being able to do multiple things. And that's why I tried to learn everything that I could and try to really develop the skill sets to do multiple things, whether it's a sideline reporter, whether it's a feature uh, reporter. I covered multiple sports. I've covered NBA finals. I've covered Major League Baseball. I covered Final Four and college basketball. (laughs) Absolutely. I've covered the NCAA tournament for 10 years working at the local NBC affiliate. I've covered them working for ESPN. I've covered the Final Four working for CBS Sports. And so that... It's just really about um, really what drove my interest. I do have a love for storytelling. 
a love for sports. Um, but growing up playing multiple sports, I just felt like, you know, hey, I could, I love basketball. I want to be able to report on basketball. And I remember walking in the locker room once and the Magic Johnson said, Solomon Wilcuts, aren't you in the wrong locker room? I thought you were a football guy. I was like, come on, Magic. I grew up in LA, man, watching you play. <laughs> and I was a kid, man. If I said, I love basketball. It was my first love, even before football. And we start sharing stories, man. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's just those kinds of things that really drive my interest. It is the ability to do several different things. Okay, just a couple more. Now, it's with NFL radio on Sirius XM, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, well, okay, now the season is over. How can you guys, you know, come up to be able to talk hours daily? But there's still, there's always, there's no off season, right? And you're able to still be able to come up with, with, with content, off? Oh, we come up with content. First of all, you should understand the National Football League is in rotation 365 days a year. And the news cycle is not a 24-hour news cycle. It's like every four hours there's breaking news in the National Football League. There's always something to cover. We're now in a phase where we're talking about what? Team building. What does that mean? That means the NFL draft. It means free agency. It means the new league year. What that is, we got to cover the economics of the game. That's a big business now. And we've got to be able to cover that because it's the economics that's going to drive what teams are able to do in the offseason, right? Um, are they going to trade for players? Are they going to have to burn uh, and get rid of players so just so they, because of the salary cap? They're over the cap, and now they've got to slash and get rid of players that they would rather keep but they can't afford them because they got to fit everything under the salary cap. So we need to be able to explain that to NFL fans and help them to understand why their team could struggle during the upcoming season because they've got to get rid of good players because they've spent, spent, and spent. They kicked the can down the road. Now the bills are due, right? And they don't have enough money under the cap to acquire new players as much as they would like to. And some of these teams are going to have to go into the draft in order to do that, which means they may be young and inexperienced. So... Uh, no, it's it, we always have room for more and more content because the National Football League, we believe, is it has a great story and it's ever evolving. Right. The way games are played and won. And we need to be able to have our fans to understand that in terms of what they could expect from this league. All right. Tuba, what any bucket list anything else that you maybe you might set your sights on that you would still like to do or a lot of people that I have been talking that have made it are like, I just want to keep doing the best that I can at what I'm doing. What about for you, Song? You know, I think it's a really good question. I love what I'm doing. I love doing um, talk radio, um, Sirius XM NFL radio. It's the NFL channel, for crying out loud. It's a national show. No matter where you are in your car, right, you can hear the show because it's done by satellite. You're never outside of the the listening area. And I just think that's phenomenal. So that's something that's new. And so just think about it as the NFL network on radio. That's kind of what we do. And so whenever we see these new opportunities, when I first got into television, there was no internet. There was no NFL.com, right? Um, There was no satellite radio. There was no social media. So whatever is over that next horizon, whatever that new thing is that's going to allow us to show the game differently, to develop content and distribute it differently, that's what I'm into. Um, I do appreciate data analytics. I know a lot of people 
Um, they talk about it. Most don't understand it. Most have not put in enough work to really properly understand its usage and why it, I think it is important. It's not the end all be all, but it is one more tool that allows us to have a different perspective on the game. Why would we not embrace something that's going to allow us to have a deeper understanding of our game? And that's really all it's offering. I don't think it should lead coaches making decisions, but it is a tool for their decision making process, whether it's talent evaluation whether it's team building, whether it's how we're going to, what player are we going to draft and why and where do we draft them at? Okay, whether it's free agency, okay, we need to acquire these players, but how much can we pay them? How much should we pay them? What kind of production we're going to get from them? It'll help you make a more accurate decision. These aren't decisions you make from the gut. <laughs> you know, what, what company is going to run a business? They need to understand what the return on investment is going to be. Owners are investing in players. What is the return? The return is production. You need to understand what kind of production you could expect. And so these are numerical metrics that help us to measure that. That's all it is, is a tool. It's not the end all be all. We're not asking people to leave 20 years of experience on the shelf and use data analytics and let that drive your decision making. No, we're saying combine the two, right? Use them both as tools to help lead to a more accurate decision. So that's helped uh, me to stay really involved. It really has piqued um, maybe a greater interest. It allowed me to not only sustain my viability in the marketplace, but it really has allowed me to remain interested and not get bored after 25 years of covering the NFL. Okay, so I'm sure that you get this, you know, advice. I ask all my guests at the end, someone that's young that wants to get into this business, what do you think is the best piece of advice you can give Solomon? The best piece of advice is, I would say, develop um, your own individual brand of storytelling. Don't mimic anyone else. Don't copy anyone else. Develop your own brand of storytelling. Understand literature. Understand history. Um, use and weave the art of storytelling, whether it's Shakespeare, whatever it is that drives your ability to tell good stories, because they serve as, I think, tremendous tools that are going to really allow you to be very good at what you do. Learn to economize your words, be very quick, very succinct in telling your story. Get in, get out um, and get along with people. Treat people good. Right. <laughs> I don't care how big a star you become. Treat people good. You'll always find people who will want to work with you. Tremendous. Continued success, Solomon. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate you. You know, I didn't realize until after I did that interview and I was just preparing for this podcast and I realized, okay, he played for the Colorado uh, Buffaloes, the University of Colorado in Boulder. And I was like, whoa, I was in Littleton. I was in the Denver area at that time uh, living there. And boy, oh boy, Bill McCartney and the Colorado Buffaloes were just, they were huge. They were big. And I was like, oh my God, man, he was there in that time. But anyway, he got a degree in literature, English literature. And like I said, he started out, man, weekend sports anchor, NBC affiliate in Cincinnati from 94 to 2003. Then he was a three-year sideline reporter on Sunday Night Football for ESPN. Um, and then he, you know, obviously he's done the national stuff. He was with CBS as a color analyst on games. 
uh, for, I think, 15 years on NFL Network's Total Access to Playbook with the All-22 film, Breaking It Down. He's an analyst uh, Sky Sports in, in the UK, Pro Football Focus TV. He's got other projects and just couldn't have been nicer. Really good. Now, what happened was we did this in the media, media center at the NFL Combine, and it was really close to Pro Football Talk NBC's set with Chris Sims. So it was standing up. I just introduced myself real quick. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. How you made it? Boom. Okay, go. Boom, boom. So he's in between shows. They don't have a lot of time. I'd like to have any a little bit more time. And it's, I really hope I, I run into him uh, now at this NFL owners meetings, which I'm going to. You're hearing this where I'm already at it. And I hope I run into him again. I don't know if they're go- he's going or not because I want to finish. We finished this interview, and I always want to take a picture, and I'm terrible at selfies. I mean, my daughter taught me, but still, I'm just not a, I'm not a selfie guy. I don't take selfies. Some people love taking selfies. I'm not a selfie. I don't take selfies. But I do for these. The only time I take a selfie is when I interview somebody and nobody else is around. So I was going to take it, and Solomon's, all right, turn here, turn here. Okay, I just got to get this picture. And a guy from KOA Radio in Denver, who I don't know, Solomon didn't know, was walking by and said, hey, you want me to take that for you? Yes. Thank you. And so he took the picture and I said, thank you, man. And Solomon goes, thank you. That was very nice of you. And off he went. What a nice gesture, man. I don't, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And Solomon, he didn't know Solomon. So how about that? So anyway, we take that. And then Solomon goes, what about Brady? Wow. And because he knows I'm from, I said I was from Tampa. And I went to answer him, and another gentleman walked by, and Solomon went, hey, and they knew each other. He was obviously a pretty influential uh, person in, in the media, broadcasting. It wasn't anybody on air that I knew. I don't know if it was a producer or whatever. And they just got in the conversation, and I and it turned, and they were talking, and I didn't want to go back. And I wanted to tell them and give them a little insight because I'm there all the time at one buck and what I have seen and what I have learned. So I hope I run into them. And I give a little bit. But Solomon, thank you. Continued success. Again, hard work, learning how to do a lot of different things, being a good person, but again, you got to, and stay with the times. You know, what I like what he said there about the analytics, because I've been critical of analytics. Drives me crazy, especially in baseball. You know, is it all computers? Is it all? And he was like, no, you use that as another tool. You know, you don't forget about scouts and all their experience and their trained eye, but this is just something else that you can use to make better decisions and informed opinions and I thought that that was I thought that was really really good actually you know what Solomon I got a little bit of different uh, perspective on analytics after talking to you so thank you so much man I really do appreciate that all right let me get to this past week little behind the scenes stuff for you here today here's what I'm finding out too the other thing you I thought that I and it's just reinforcing this if you are a jerk or you are like a jerk off, the chances of you making it are so much harder. Oh, this is how I am. Take me or leave me. You know, well, you know what, man? It's already hard enough in this world to make it in anything. Whatever business you're in, whatever you're trying to succeed in, even if it's outside of work, everything, life, relationship, right? Be if you're a jerk, change it, work on it. 
You know, it's so much harder. And here's the thing that I have found. I have said this for years. And now doing this, the podcast, The Rock Stops Here, where I'm interviewing successful media people, coaches, players, athletes, entertainers. And I always thought this, and that had been my experience, and now it's just, boom, putting a stamp on it. You can make it to the top with talent and hard work, but to stay there, there you've got to be, you got to get along with people. You know, there's not, there's not, you're not going to love everybody. You're not going to always have a great day, positive day every day. It ain't happening. But here's my behind the scenes story. Let me start with Tom Brady. Now, if you're outside of the Tampa Bay area, you're probably so over Brady. I know. Oh, he cheated with the footballs. Oh, he's this and that. He gets preferential trip. I, I, I know. But let me just tell you what I'm learning. The people that are inside that building that deal with Brady, okay, all say the same thing. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. So, you know, as big as he is, superstar as he is, he's a good guy. He told the PR staff, the head guy, the head guy, he's the guy that uh, deals with uh, Brady. Uh, just abide by my schedule. You know, he's very structured and his time is spent in doing all of his work, his training, his film work, his study, his business ventures. Like he doesn't have a lot of free time. So just abide by my schedule, man. It will be good. And that was it. But he's very, very nice. All right. So now, and I'm not going to say any names here or give you too much detail, but... I know a person, it's actually my wife's, so, well, let's, let's not go any further, but that knows, that deals with Tom Brady during the season, half, half the season, spread out over time, okay? On a, on a personal, on a basis, sees, they interact, blah, blah, blah. What's Brady like? Very nice. And this person also said, uh, Rob Gronkowski's very nice too. See, here you go. Here's the staying power. Yeah, they're great athletes. Yeah, they work hard. But just good people and good to everyday people. You know, not like, oh, my God, man, I got my entourage. You can't even talk to me. Oh, oh, I've, I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. Some actors, actresses, or some people, somebody, you can't even look me in the eye. Don't even look them in the eye. Well, what, what, what's that about? So anyway, that's number one, okay? Number two, I ran into a gentleman this past week, and he knows of a makeup artist in town. And she worked on the commercial. Did you remember the commercial that Brady shot with uh, Patrick Mahomes? I, it was either a commercial or it was a promo. And it was going into the first season for Brady here. And I, I'm pretty sure it was shot over at Carol Wood Day, the uh the very expensive private high school where Brady and the guys worked out when he first got here. Remember the helicopter shots we were in COVID and he was working out with those guys before he could go to the facility. And they shot this commercial that played during the season. They had uniforms on those and she was a makeup artist. And so because after that, she's done a couple of other different shoots with Tom Brady. 
And so I asked this guy, I said, okay, now before you don't, I, I want to know your answer. I haven't asked you this. Okay. But just from what I'm hearing, I want to see if this lines up. What did she say? Did you ask her what Tom Brady's like? Cause she's worked with Brady now on several different shoots doing the makeup. And he goes, she says he is so nice. So nice. So polite. I said, bam, that's, that's what I hear. Like when you get different people, different sources, different walks of life. You say, what's that? And if they say the same answer, then that's, that's who they are. Got another one for you. Ran into another person this week that knows, I don't know if you know this, but Rob Gronkowski is an owner of a restaurant in Tampa. Now, I haven't seen, I saw when Guy Fieri, Guy Fieri, Guy Fieri did his, uh, it was called Guy's something, not, not, not the grocery games, not the, the burger, you know, the one he goes around. There was a, something else that he did, and Rob Gronkowski had partnered with Dats at that time and did some type of chicken, waffle, something Gronk sandwich. So I don't think it was that. He might just keep it quiet. I didn't even know this, but this gentleman that I was talking to, because sometimes sometimes they can be a silent partner, these these big celebrities that have a lot of names. Most of the time they use their name, like with Hulk Hogan. He's got Hogan's Hangout. Uh, what was the other one? That the, He'll still also have a, uh, like a nightclub and bar and restaurant on the this thing called the Courtney Campbell Causeway, this, this road between Tampa and Pinellas County. And he used his name. Uh, and that way he gets some of the proceeds, but if the thing doesn't, you know, he doesn't lose, you know, blah, 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 they bring in a big name. But oh, my point is, Gronk is either part owner or owner of a restaurant in Tampa. And the gentleman that I was talking to, one of his best friends, works at this restaurant that Gronk owns. And he was saying that for the Super Bowl, Oh, oh, and the Gronk's family, when they come in, they eat in the kitchen. They have a table back there because Gronk can't sit out at the restaurant. He would just be bombarded. You know what I mean? He he wouldn't be able to, he, forget it. He's that big of a, so they said, and I know, I know of a chef in New York City, same thing. I didn't even know that. In some of these big restaurants, they actually have a table that's in the restaurant when like the owners come in and things, they'll sit down back there, okay? And... This gentleman was telling me that his friend who works at this restaurant, Gronk, during the Super Bowl, Gronk said, hey, here's what we're doing. Everybody, we're closing down. The restaurant is going to be closed. I want you all to enjoy the Super Bowl and watch us win the Super Bowl. And I'm paying everybody for the day. And sure enough, Gronk paid everybody there. They had the day off. And I said, what does he say about Gronk? He said, Gronk is a great guy. He has a lot of uh, energy. He's so much fun to be with. And he's just a good guy. Boom. There you go again. There you go again. So I got it. Okay. So there, those were my two behind the scenes stories. Now, I went inside the building, and I'll get to that in a second. Oh, my God, the protocols are done in the NFL, at least for now. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope everything's going good. It was really, really, really surreal this past week. I'll explain. But I was there for a couple of times. One was a Chris Godwin press conference, 
and he's a wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Got three years, sixty million, forty million guaranteed, and he had his high school sweetheart, his wife, that attended. She just looked, you know, her jeans on, came in, sat in the front row, no big entourage, no big thing, you know, very nice, very polite. They were high school sweethearts, and her father on the high school football team that that uh, Chris Goblin played on was the was the coach was a football coach. And I remember reading an article where she had said that, you know, he, Chris Godwin is such a nice, polite young man. And the father, her father in high school, and he's the head football coach, said, I would love to have him as like my son or my son-in-law. Like, you know, how about that? So the bottom line is like, Godwin's a good guy. He's just a good guy. He's a good player. He's a hard worker. Came from Penn State and boom, blah, blah, blah. So when he was up there giving his, you know, doing his press conference and the one thing that stuck out to me, you know, it's, it's great to be here. Yes, I'm with Tom. We're going to try to win it back, blah, blah, blah. But he said what he has learned is it really does make a difference. It really does mean something being a good person. He goes, I consider myself a good person, you know, and I work hard and I'm good. And you know what? It does matter. And I was just like, wow, that was kind of my, it was just coming at me. It's like just reinforcing, man. Just be good. That's good. This isn't a rah-rah speech. This isn't life is always good and stay positive and all that crap. It's just, you know what? Just be good. Just be good. If there's somebody you don't like, just walk away. Don't let it eat at you. Because here's my other story. So I was explaining to people how surreal it was when I got, I was on the way to the uh, TIA, Tampa International Airport, taking my mother-in-law. She was going to, uh, on a flight, and my wife, Emily, was working at the school, and her husband, my father-in-law, was at his job, you know, he's a doctor, and he was at his office. I said, sure, I'd be glad, I can do it. So I got the email from the Buccaneers at like 9.20 a.m., And I'm heading to Tampa to take her, pick her up at the house. They only live, my in-laws live like five minutes away, 10 minutes away. And it's been great, especially if you've got kids and a kid. It's just, it's it's great. And Emily can be happier and all that. It's good. It's great. Good. So I see the email. I'm on my way with her. Good thing I took a shower, a shave, but I kind of had like sweats on and a black t-shirt. And I see the email, Chris Godwin, GM Jason Light, press conference, Inside the media studio, inside one buck, noon. I'm like, inside? Oh, my God. No more Zoom. Oh, oh, I'm there. I'm there. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have time to change. She goes, no, I picked her up. My flight isn't until this. We got time to go back. No, 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 don't worry about it. You know what? I'll just go. So it was like, my point was a short notice. Just like, this is the first time in two and a half years. We've been allowed in the building. There's been a media trailer. You're in the parking lot. You got to have your chip. You get tested every week for all that. Like, wow, it's going back to the way it was. Oh, my God. So your name and you had to apply. You get approval. You got RSVP. Boom. You're in rock. Okay. You go to the guard shack, the guard gate. Yep. Your name. Hey, rock. Your name is on there. Go ahead. You go through. Boom. You know where the media entrance is? Oh, yeah. I remember. I can't find my swipe card. There is a swipe card that you hit the thing and click. But I knew that. Oh, and then my my daughter, 
had to go to the orthodontist and she had some work done. And I guess they, my wife and they promised her, uh, uh, cookies and cream, uh, milkshake from Chick-fil-A. And so amidst all this, I got a text and it's Addie, my daughter. And if it's for your daughter, daddy, can you get me a cookies and cream milkshake from Chick-fil-A and just bring it to the office to mommy? My, my, my wife works at the front in the office at the school, middle school, seventh grade. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking at my time. And then when I got in my car, I was like, oh, it's on empty. I remember last night I was like, oh, I'm tired. I should get gas now. I just get it in the morning. I didn't know. It was a, and it was like, boom, boom, boom. And when I started looking at the time, I go, okay, all right, I'm barely, I'm not going to really make it. How am I going to make this? And Chick-fil-A, there's always a line and this ain't going to work, you know, but you know what? And I texted my daughter back. And first of all, why are you texting me during school in your class? You're not supposed to be using your phone. Number two, Addie, can I just bring it after school? I'll try, honey, but it's going to be tight. I'm going to the Bucks. No response. Good. She's she's learning. <laughs> Hopefully. She gets straight A's. We, 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 we give her a little leeway. I never got straight A's. Oh, my God. Far from it. But anyway, I was like, all right, well, can I bring it after school, Addie? No response. I'm like, you know what? What is more important than my daughter? You know? All right, let me go to Chick-fil-A. Go to Chick-fil-A. Boom. No line. No line. Because it's early. Boom. Get it. Boom. Go to the school. Boy, it's taking longer to go to the school. It's right around the corner. My wife pops out. She says, oh, thank you. And she gave me that look. Oh, like it's going to make Addie so happy. They adjusted something with their braces and her teeth hurt. And it's just, I know you shouldn't be having a milkshake going from the orthodontist. I know. <laughs> but you know what? You got to give in. And but, but the look on my wife's face when she was just like, oh, thank you. Thank you, daddy. I was just like, dad, there you go. I made the right decision. But now I'm rushing. And now I got to get gas because I'm on empty. And I'm driving for a while. And I get that. And I'm looking. I'm like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get to the guard shack. He's going to wave me in. And I'm going to get in right when the press conference starts. And when the press conference starts, they all go in. Even Buccaneer staff, like there's nobody outside. My swipe card I can't find. I don't even know if that would work from three years ago. And I'm going to be locked out. And wouldn't you know, I pulled into that parking lot at the guard shack at 12.01. Go ahead, Rock. Boom. He hits the gate. The big wrought iron gates, they open. I go around. Boom, 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 boom. I run. I get out of my car. I'm running to the media entrance. I go to the door. I'm looking in. No one's there. I, I'm trying to open it. It's big, heavy glass. It's locked. And I'm like, I am locked outside. I am locked outside. Within five, if I would have gotten here five minutes, in, I knew this would happen. But I was just like, you know what? And I was only standing there for like three to four minutes. And then I heard click. Oh my God, the security cameras at this building. There must be so much security. Whoever's at master control sees that I'm out there and I wouldn't be allowed in if I wasn't approved. And I open it, click. I almost went to the camera like, thank you, man. And then I quietly, and the press conference was already going on. 
and I opened the door and then I was in the back and I just slid into the back and away we went. And then there was another one there and I was good and I made it. So I made it. I got my gas. I took care of my daughter. They couldn't have been happier with the Chick-fil-A milkshake. And I got what I needed and I saw who I needed to see. And I was able to do a report later in the day for the Tab Free Press, took care of my social media and away we go. So how about that? (laughs) Um, Let's, oh, now, now, no, no, no. I, good. I don't want to make this Mr. Positive here. All right. You ready? Here we go. So the craft beer bar that I go to, I walk to because I walk. Thank God. And they were, have they, they, they've been open for damn near a year probably, but I guess they joined the chamber of commerce. And so part of that, you got to pay dues. And then they all come to this grand opening. They were having a ribbon cutting ceremony and it was up the street. It was one night this past week. And one of the bartenders I really know, the owner's nice people. I figured, eh, let me go up there and support. Let's see what's cooking. So I go up there and it was real cool. I ran into a tree guy, a tree company. He's going to be taking out a big tree that's hanging over. It's been worrying me, man, right over my pool screen. If there's ever these storms in Florida, when they hit, like, oh, my God. And they, it, could, it could hit under a roof, right down on the bedroom. We could be killed. I mean, I better, I better pony up the money and get this done. Well, believe it or not, a guy walked by me with a big sign on his uh shirt. And I'm like, oh, you're going to be at my house this week. You guys, how you doing, man? Blah, blah, blah. He met him. He was kind of cool. But I hope you do a good job. It's very dangerous. And then I met a guy that I know. He gives guitar lessons in town and he's a good guy. His wife, I had met them there and became friends with them and they were kind of cool. I was hanging with him for a while, calling him Eddie Van Halen and all that stuff. It was neat, neat, neat. So all I was doing, we were just talking. Then we stood outside and had our beers and we're just BSing and shooting the shit. And a woman came out and she's, you know, started talking and, and this lady introduced me to her. And this is so-and-so. This is Rock Riley. You know, he works in sports. Didn't you work? And she goes, well, I worked in the sports field, but I was in like the marketing, da, 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 but now I'm a travel agent. And I was like, oh, I didn't really know the travel agency. She goes, oh, yeah. There's still some brick and mortar travel agencies and the people that, you know, um, booked flights on their own during COVID, you know, they ended up getting screwed and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still in demand. Okay. We're just talking. I said, Oh yeah, I got it. So great. You know, being in, in broadcasting, like I got to go to, uh, the Bucks, you know, the Bucks facility. It was so great, man, with no protocols anymore. She just starts looking at me with this frown. And I said, it's so great. You know, we're on the path. Maybe this is it unless another strain comes out and here we go. Here we go. Oh, well, it's all about the government. You know, it's the government and it's the government has nothing to do with, you know, the medical. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just telling you that, you know, for two years and I tried to explain every night, if you wanted to go to practice, you had to apply. They only allowed a certain amount in some nights, I days, I wouldn't make the cut. And then when you go, you have to get tested. And then after you get your COVID test and then they give you this chip and you put it in your pocket, it's contact tracing. You can't get near any Buccaneers and it would go off. And then if 
you don't hand that in at the end of the day, it's $185 on you. Like it was just so surreal to not have these protocols again. And she's like, oh, you wait and see what the government's going to do. It's up to the government. I said, well, I just hope that, you know, right now it's going good. I just hope we don't get another strain. And she starts on me. There is another strain. There's a strain in Australia. It all depends on the government. You see, well, wait till the election. Wait till the election happens. It's the government. It's the government. I'm just, government. I'm not bringing up the government. I'm just telling you how nice it is. Our protocols. I'm hoping that we're on our path. Boom, 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 boom. And it's just, it, it was one of those things where you cannot have a conversation you know, it's their way or not. And just get so, it was just, oh my God, I walked away, you know, and I just walk away. And then I was walking and I'm walking home and I was just repeating like, it's the government. You'll see once the election starts, they'll have us wearing the mask. You'll see, you'll see. And it just blows me away, man. So there you go. It's not an all positive. I don't have all positive days, you know, <laughs> and I just was walking, repeating, oh, it's the government. Wait till the election. But anyway, there's some that you just cannot. What's the best thing to do in that case? Like you cannot argue or you'll just. And who I'm there to drink beer and and BS and enjoy an hour or two outside the house i'm not there to get fired up and have a fiery argument you know i just don't i just don't get it you know and i mean my friend said oh give him your card she's mom do you think i'm gonna use you know i just it's just a little too much for me all righty well let's see so i haven't had a chance to go to baseball um, I was going to go to spring training this week and then my plans changed. I'm excited. And when this air, when you're listening to this, I've already done it. So hopefully it worked out. Okay. Um, I am going to be emceeing a all day, well, noon to five, uh, music fest of local rock bands for a really good cause. And you know what? I don't do charity you know, and I just try to be good to other people. Now, I'm, that's how I'm trying to justify it. Like, I really should do something, right? So I justified, hey, I just try to be a really good person to everybody and pump, pump them up. And that's my thing. Well, a guy that I know that is in, he, he works in the deli department at a supermarket that we have here called Publix. And he's around my age, just a nice guy good guy and he likes what I do and have done for years in the sports and broadcasting in Tampa Bay and blah, blah, blah. So we just started getting talking while I'm getting my boar's head American or Swiss cheese sliced. And, and usually at these deli departments, there's always people waiting. You know how you get your ticket and you wait and da, da, da. But just over the last year, year and a half, maybe I've shot the breeze with him a little bit. Tom, his name is. I didn't even know he had such long hair because they wear these hairnets. When you work in a deli department, they got a hairnet. And, uh, but just seemed like a good guy. And he follows me on Facebook and I'll get there. He's, oh, I see that you were down at the bug. Oh, I see you're at Port Charlotte. Oh, yeah. yeah we just talked for a few minutes and this and that. So he goes, you know, I, I'm getting back into it with a band. And uh, just keep following me on Facebook and maybe you can, you know, check us out. You know, I was, oh, okay. Okay. Didn't think much of it. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. 
So there's a name that we both know, Greg Billings. He's uh, legendary in the Tampa Bay area. Had a band called Stranger, Greg Billings band. Very, very good. I've seen him many times. Just real talent, local, you know, Florida. And uh, so he was retiring his band. And, and, and this guy, Tom, the band that he was putting together, as a couple of guys that used to be in his band. And he goes, we're rehearsing. Where do you wait and see? see? So then uh, he had a first gig and it was at Curtis Hickson Park, this park in Tampa. And there was a big event. They had thousands. Can you imagine your first event. And I didn't know this. He hadn't played and performed in 25 years. 25 years. So... And I saw him with the long hair and on stage and his band. And then I saw the comment look good. Then he had another one, St. Patty's Day, a place called Maloney's in, in an area of Tampa called West Chase. And this station in Tampa, the bone was there. And they, I was actually with my daughter. We dropped off my wife. She was at another bar on in West Chase with her high school friends. And they were the girls. And I said, we'll, we'll drive you and then we'll pick you up. And Addie and I walked around. I said, let's walk down to this place, Maloney's. But it was 21 and over. There were so many people. I saw this moan, a couple of people I knew broadcasting. And I didn't want to bother anybody. I was with my daughter and, I, and it was a lot of people. And I'm like, wow, Tom's band is playing here. So your first two gigs in 25 years and you're playing in front of a lot of people. That's kind of cool. Because usually when you're starting your band up, even if you're experienced, you're playing at a local bar, you're not playing in front of a lot of people. So I went and saw him at the deli department. And it's funny, you think you might know somebody until you find out like a backstory. Wow, a lot of people have gone through a lot of stuff, man, that you just have no idea, you know? So I don't want to get too detailed into this because next week's podcast, I'll let you know how it went. I've only introduced one band, two bands. Now I've done emceeing before, but never really for a rock show. So this is going to be a little bit different. After I get off this podcast, I'm going to go, go over YouTube, go over each one of these bands. It's noon to five. It's going to be quite a few and do my best. We'll have some fun, but it's for a good cause. And Tom was mentioning this Sherry Gruden. Do you know Sherry Gruden? No, no, no relation to John Gruden. And I said, no, no, I don't. She's a widow. Her husband, Steve Gruden, back in the day, back in the early 90s, was a tremendous talent. And Tom started telling me this story where they were a band. I've heard this, these type of stories many times, but I Googled it and I read up on it. A story from the Tampa Bay Times, and I was blown away. But bottom line, he's like, oh, we're looking for, would you like to MC? Whatever your charge is, a couple hundred bucks, blah, blah, blah. Food, drink, you can bring your daughter, your wife. It's for a great cause. Sherry's like a sister to me. She's putting the event on. It's for a cause. And I said, you know what, Tom? Maybe I'll do that. And I did. Boom, I got her number. She, she couldn't have been nicer. And when I saw the backstory, because it it's for a good cause, this rock fest, Oh my God, man. They were a band that was so good. They were signed by, I believe it was CBS and a guy from Warner Brothers uh, came. They did a showcase. He's like, you're going to be the next Aerosmith. 
I'm coming to uh, from L.A. to Tampa. Get all your information. I need your Social Security numbers. We're signing you. You're going to make it big. And this Steve Gruden, now that on when I read Steve Gruden, look it up. And I, I heard on YouTube, like, oh, my God, what a voice. So talented. And the record producer from, uh, from L.A. was going to be flying on Monday or Tuesday to Tampa to sign this Tampa band to this big contract for Warner Brothers. They were going to make it big. And the lead singer, Steve Gruden, was not feeling good on a Saturday night or a Sunday. And he wasn't feeling good. And they took him to Tampa General. And it turned out he was having a stroke. And some band members came and they were at the hospital. They were holding his hand and he passed away. He was 30 years old. And that was then. And this Sherry Gruden, these local bands that are good, that are so tight, they all love, and they had a 10-year-old daughter. Oh, my God. I saw the picture of it in an old Tampa newspaper where she's throwing flowers on the casket of her daddy. And I just, I was just like, oh, my God, man. Now, this is a long time ago. And so I was just like, and all these bands, they all consider Sherry Gruden like their sister. You know what I mean? And she's so nice and they're all nice. And I'm honored. I'm honored that Tom asked me, would you be interested in doing this? I've talked to Sherry on the phone. She couldn't have been nicer. And so <clears throat> when I'm taping this, I'm doing that tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. And then I'm going to be driving five hours down to Palm Beach and I'm going to the NFL owners meetings and I'm going to try to, we'll see how it goes. See if I can get some bigger and big names on this Rock Stops Here podcast. So wish me luck. I'm sure I'll do okay. We'll see. <laughs> but, you know, it's just cool doing stuff for good people. And then here and there, you're going to meet these people that just drive you crazy and you just can't let them get to you. I think that's the message today. All right. So uh, have a great week. Enjoy. We're, regardless about the government and the election and all that, we're, we're on the right path. And it's feeling good. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Solomon Wilcots. Thank you, my man. And uh, talk to you again. On this week's episode of Crush Performance, it's episode number four, covering our 2022 theme of organizational and team performance. This week, we talk with performance coach Phil Toll, who's accredited as being one of the key factors in keeping the band Metallica together. We'll talk to Phil about his time with Metallica and some of the strategies that he used to get the band communicating, to bring them back together and to launch them to where they are today. Strategies that Phil uses with his business clients, his sport clients, and that we can use as well. Get set for a glimpse into the world of high-performance team building on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.